welcome to Estradal Illusions. This is our Mandalorian coverage for Season 2, Episode 7, Chapter 15, The Believer. And I think it's really a testament to the strength of this show overall that uh, I can come away from this episode. I mean, this episode was honestly, it was, it was very, very aggressively okay. It was not one of the best episodes. I thought it was, in a lot of ways, kind of a missed opportunity in a lot of ways, but it was still very entertaining. There's not a lot that I can say, oh my god, they shouldn't have done this, this was terrible, but, uh, and I don't want to really beat on the, the drum of exposition either. This is a show. This episode was 38 minutes. This is airing on a streaming service. It could be as long or as short as it would like. And generally speaking, The Mandalorian prefers to be short. So that means that we're kind of left without, you know, two or three scenes worth of exposition that honestly, I've said this before, but it's true. It is very odd to have a show where I'm clamoring for more exposition in like, for example, every Netflix original series, practically every single one of them, all of the Marvel ones would do really, really well to cut off like a third of their runtime every time or to just get rid of a bunch of episodes. The Mandalorian knows that it's better to leave plenty on the table than to empty your plate completely and uh, have people just annoyed that you're kind of picking at the, the scraps. Although, I, you know, Star Wars doesn't really have a lot of scraps. And it's all it's with all of that in mind that we approach this episode, which after we had not only the introduction, the debut, well, the official debut of Boba Fett into the series after two relatively minor cameos, we also had the return of Fennec. And watching this episode, you might have kind of thought that maybe there was an episode in between where we learned more about their stories... For all intents and purposes, they're basically irrelevant this episode. There's nothing really on Boba Fett or Fennec. They're back, but they're only kind of back. They're not back in the true sense of these are three-dimensional, fully thought-out characters who are going to have arcs. This show is mostly known for being episodic. Uh, most episodes, there's an adventure that's introduced and then solved by the end of the episode which doesn't leave a ton of time for character development, but there's always going to be the idea that, hey, you could have some more time for character development. This is a choice that the show made. And it did make that choice with regard to one character, and that's Migs Mayfeld, who starts off this episode in the Carthon chop fields. So Mando, Fennec, and Kara go and they say, hey... I, it's kind of odd that you can just kind of, even if you're, you know, Kara is not really part of the New Republic. She's a marshal, but that shouldn't necessarily give her the right to go to a different planet and then borrow prisoners without really kind of anything resembling a uh, process. But, okay, let's just say for uh, the purposes of the show, uh, whatever, that, that works, that works. Let's get Bill Burr back on the show. He last appeared in Chapter 6 of last season, the sixth episode, back when uh, chapters and episode numbers were the same. Here we are. He's back. Uh, this episode decides that it's going to mostly be, it's mostly going to be about Mayfeld, and then also it's going to kind of be about Mando and his helmet. And for whatever reason, uh, 
We have Pedro Pascal. We have we have our our title character wears a mustache, even though there's no good reason on the planet Earth that this guy who never takes off his helmet would have a grooming regimen that calls for a mustache or any kind of uh, groomed facial hair. I mean, good God. But uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We do reach it. So so they arrive on Morak, which, I mean, I should just be happy they're not on another pile of rocks. And I am happy they're not on another pile of rocks. Morak... Morak just kind of looks, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a fine planet, which, that has an Imperial base, and I guess, you know, it's helpful that we had Grand Admiral Thrawn mentioned a couple episodes back, because the whole question of who is financing all of these random bases that, they've got their, their Rhydonium, which is, like a, like a valuable, yet explosive metal? They have to go on the base to uh, figure out where Moff Gideon is because this is a plan that makes sense. And, of course, Mando has to be the one to take Mayfeld because it would be kind of awkward. You wouldn't have... Think about all the transport chat if it was just, like, Fennec or somebody that uh, Mayfeld doesn't have any history with. So, of course, Mando has to go. He's the lead character. And, of course, he can't wear his Mandalorian helmet. So we're going we're gonna to turn the whole, the whole notion of should Mando take his helmet off? into a, a plot, and with Bo-Katan from uh, earlier this season, we were introduced to the idea that, hey, maybe Mando's sect of Mandalore is actually the radical side, and maybe it, it's reasonable that people take off their helmets. I mean, how is how is Mando's face not covered in... I mean, he would... Is, is he just, like, putting up, you know, face cream up in his mask? Is he moisturizing? I don't know. He, he should have a terrible complexion. But that episode with Bo-Katan kind of set up this one pretty well that uh, he would, when when faced with protecting his son, his uh, his ward, uh, Gragu, it would make sense that he would be pressed, uh, he, he would be faced with confronting uh, his needs as a father and then, you know, his obligations to his fairly extremist religion. So they get the transport, and of course, Bill Burr doesn't wear a helmet because I mean, what would be the point of bringing a fairly well-known guest star into the show if he's just going to wear a storm stormtrooper helmet the whole time? And then we were treated to a Mad Max sequence where they're, they're just—I mean, that was cool. It's fun. It was not as good as last uh, episode's action sequence, but I mean, honestly, pretty much every action sequence uh, this season has been really good. I think my bigger complaint with the action this this episode would be when uh, they started the battle in the mess hall and the Imperial officers are literally just running in the hallway as they're shooting them. Nice open space. They're just literally cannon fodder, really blaster fodder, running in there uh, as uh, as Mando and Mayfield are trying to escape. So, I don't know. I mean, the whole, that sequence was fun. I mean, the best, the best part of this whole, this whole episode was... When after they, after Mando and Mayfeld get the transport and they're going back and they're being saluted and applauded by the stormtroopers who over the course of this whole series have had basically nothing to celebrate. And here they are, uh, they're, they're in the presence of allies who actually managed to hit people. They killed their, their blasters, they shot them and then the blaster actually hit somebody, which is a rarity for stormtroopers. So all of that was nice. 
It would have been funny if Boba Fett, as he noted before, he couldn't uh, he couldn't be the one to remove his helmet, and go along for the ride because he might be recognized. Now, I've looked uh, across the fandom. There are some people who are noting that clone troopers. I mean, they 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 had been kind of they had definitely been phased out by this point in the series, but because they were all too old and and some people have even gone a step further and said that clone troopers were uh, said to because they were aged more rapidly uh most of them probably would have been dead so maybe some imperial officers officers would have recognized them maybe not we don't really know and we can take uh we can take that little uh, easter egg at face value it's cute so then they get in, and of course everything is not going to. Be, I mean, this is honestly this whole plot line is something out of uh, Mission Impossible or Alias, and you're combining you're combining the tropes of the adventure TV stuff, like stuff like the A Team, and then you're combining that with spy stuff from shows like Alias. It's all very derivative. This is a paint by numbers espionage action episode that you could find i mean tnt would do like there was a show called leverage a while back this seems like just something out of that not not the most ambitious of storytelling and yet i mean come it's okay bill burr i have not been a fan of his stand-up in fact fans of bill burr have attacked me to this day for a review i wrote last year for his special paper tiger i mean he's fine he did a he did a fairly good job with material that was very bland and didn't give him a lot to work on. Like on the transport, we're treated to uh, Mayfeld talking about how the Empire and the New Republic, to people on Morak, are just kind of two sides of the same coin. Which, okay, that's basically him substituting the Star Wars universe for American interventionism in uh, Iraq or Vietnam. And we know anyone anyone watching Star Wars knows exactly what he's talking about. The problem is, within the Star Wars universe, this idea has not really been sold. We don't see the New Republic committing war crimes. We don't see, uh, you know, planetary public approval dropping for the New Republic. We know that we know that there are plenty of people who don't really care about uh, either side. They just kind of want to go about their business. We've talked about that if you listen to some of our uh, Game of Thrones episodes we've done recently, uh, particularly the one with uh, Professor Colm Connaughton. We point out that in the Riverlands, there are plenty of people who didn't think the Mad King was all that bad. They wanted just they just wanted the war to end. They just they didn't really care who won. And on a place like Morak, they probably wouldn't care who won that much either. So. I mean, he's talking about it. I, I'm very reticent to give him credit for that because it's just not original and it's not something that Star Wars has really done a very good job or even tried to sell us on. That whole thing. Kind of stupid. Kind of stupid. Not, not that stupid. Not, oh my God, this episode is terrible stupid, but also just not really all that good. So, and I mean, you can apply that to the scene in the mess hall with, uh, with Mayfeld and his former buddies, but I mean, that was just fun. You have you have uh, Mando has to take his helmet off because he needs to be the one to uh, get the. I, it, it seems kind of odd that all they need is a facial recognition, and oh, we'll tell you exactly where Moth Gideon is. We just have to log your face so that we know. Any old face will do. It doesn't matter. Like. If you have if you have a screen lock on your phone that unlocks with uh, facial recognition, 
it doesn't just say show us a face. It says you have to see your face. And Star Wars a long time ago, Galaxy Far, Far Away, they have very good technology. I don't, I, it, there is some suspension of disbelief that we can use to say, hey, he needed to scan it because he needed to get the plans. And then also that facial recognition will probably almost certainly come back up down the road at some other point in time. But I don't know. For the here and now, kind of silly. Uh, comic book fans will enjoy the reference that Mayfeld made to Operation Cinder, which I've actually I read. It's it's from Greg Rucka's Shattered Empire, which I've read. I didn't really remember that, which I tend to prefer the the Vader and the Doctor Afra series to that one. But I've read it and I kind of didn't remember that. But then we get a bit about. You know, everybody has their line they need to cross uh, that they can't cross, and Mayfeld's all pissed off. And, I mean, he was a really bad guy in last season's episode, and now I guess he's totally reformed, and he's still totally aware on all the Imperial protocols and clearances and stuff, even though he's been out of the Empire for years and years. And actually, also, while we're at it, the Empire has been not really doing... uh, you know, they've been operating on fumes. Supposedly, this takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, and yet they're still operating with some kind of cohesiveness. And I think that kind of plays into, so we have Officer uh, Valen Hess, who's played by uh, Richard Brake, who was the original Night King on Game of Thrones, for all of our Game of Thrones fans. And when he goes over, there's kind of a, you know, trope of spy storytelling... You have the guy who, like, kind of recognizes them, but then it's, like, faint, and he says, actually, let's go and get a drink. One thing that I was thinking about, and I know this is probably overthinking, but this is a Mandalorian recap podcast, so uh, why don't we overthink away? So Hess goes over and sees Mayfeld and Mando, and is is rightfully suspicious because you have an officer who doesn't really know his name, and he's like, I'm TK, you know, 412 or however the number sequence goes. I'm not, I'm not going to look that up. And he's kind of looking skeptical. And at that point, like, obviously, from a storytelling standpoint, he's going to fall for it. But even if we even if we just try and look at the logic of the scenario, the Empire has been running on fumes for five years now. Stormtroopers and troops like they're not using the clone troopers anymore. They have to go and they actually have to physically recruit people. And that's kind of the basis for Finn in the sequel trilogy. He didn't want to be a stormtrooper. He was forced into it. So. They are looking, they're looking at these suspicious men. But at the end of the day, if you're a commanding officer, you know that troops are not really a dime a dozen anymore. So you can't just go shooting off all your men willy-nilly. I mean, for storytelling purposes in this episode, maybe he could have. But I was sitting there thinking, gee, even if he is a little skeptical, it's not really clear where he, where exactly he'd be getting tons of more troops from. So you really don't probably want to go around shooting your own people. But then they have their little uh, back and forth about Operation Cinder and stuff that... I mean, there have been 10 new Star Wars series announced. So maybe, just maybe, we will actually get to see Operation Cinder. But I don't know. It was insignificant enough that I didn't get the reference and I have actually read the comic where... I mean, Shattered Empire is is good. Some of that... Some of the comics, they kind of... uh, They try to sort of 
the weave in between the movies. You've got uh, Darth Vader picks up right after uh, the events of A New Hope and kind of takes place uh, in the build-up to Empire. I haven't read them uh, 100% completely, but... I mean, it's fun. They're fun. I, I've said this on the show before, but I, I really... The Kieran Gillen ones are really great. Or Gillen, however you pronounce his last name. But uh, Vader and Afra. And Craig Rekka is a good writer, but I wasn't like, oh my god, this Shattered Empire is so, so, so great. But we have some battles, and uh, back, back to Mandalorian. We have some uh, laser blasts, and then they want to evacuate. You have Fennec and Kara providing sniper fire. And Boba Fett... Flying the ship, I mean, he's Slave 1, it's cool. He got to fire his uh, sort of concussion grenade that Django would have used in Attack of the Clones. That was all cool. I mean, after seeing all the really good action from Boba Fett, I, I've been... I, if we don't get if we don't get a nice action sequence between uh, with Mando and Boba Fett teaming up next episode, I think that will be a tremendous mistake but that was all fun and then you've got uh once once boba fett picks up mando and mayfeld you've got mayfeld shooting the cycler rifle and blowing up the base and uh obviously obviously they let him go i i I think that the whole mess hall scene with operation cinder was really just laying the pretext for letting him go even though i mean wouldn't you if you're the new republic take a look at this cardoon person and say gee why did she just check out this prisoner and now he's dead and what kind of justice system is that i don't know it's all kind of a mess but of course, that was going to happen, and uh, Mayfeld, I guess he stays on Morak. They didn't want to give him a ride somewhere. I, it didn't really seem like that great of a place to want to stay. I'd probably say, hey, can you drop me off, uh, not not Navarro, but somewhere better. Not Ice Planet, either. Maybe go live with Frog Lady. I don't know. That might have been fun. All of that was fine. I mean, the, the, one, the one thing that kind of... I mean, there were some eye rolls throughout the episode, but the one thing that really got an eye roll was Mando sending the message to Moth Gideon saying, like, oh, I'm coming for you. You've got my son, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's a bounty hunter. It's not a good idea to broadcast your message ahead of time. It's not a good idea to say to your enemy, it looks really cool to say, hey, I'm coming for you. That's really bad strategy. That's not a good idea. It's not a good idea to do that. And yet here he is broadcasting his plan it's not moff gideon has a giant ship and his son and right now mando has boba fett fennec and cardoon that's not much of an army that's not a i'm coming for you army and not when you're dealing with Giancarlo esposito either so that was kind of silly as a whole i mean this episode I'm not super enthusiastic about it. It's a paint-by-numbers sort of heist plot. It's not that great. It was not that fun. Bill Burr did a pretty good job with material that, frankly, wasn't really all that great. And the show decided, hey, let's sideline everybody else and bring back this character from last season. We didn't really super need him. We probably could have gotten away. It's not like It's not like he was all that helpful, but... <laughs> I mean, he prevented them from getting caught, I guess, but then he screwed that up. So, kind of a wash. Episode, by and large, was pretty good. I mean, this is where we're at with The Mandalorian. There are things, there are episodes that are really lackluster, and this this episode, probably a teensy bit above lackluster. Great 
But I mean, fairly good action sequences. I, I was about to say great. It wasn't, I mean, by the standards that this show has put forth, they were solid action. Good, great maybe for uh, a lot of the rest of television, but for this show, not as good. And the plotting, it was it was okay, Mando. If you're going to make Mayfeld and Mando taking off his helmet, if you're going to have that be the core of the episode and you're not even going to show Baby Yoda at all, then then I don't know. You get, you get something that ends up looking like this, which really isn't the worst thing in the world. There are a lot of episodes of television that are way worse than this, but uh, this is probably the second worst episode of the season after the Ice Planet episode. And, and that's... The fact that a show can make a good episode that's the second worst in the season is a testament to the strength of the show. I'm not complaining about the the show in general. I just think that after the great Boba Fett hype of last season, of last episode that was really, really solid, and we got some great action sequences, and that was all cool, I would have loved for some more screen time from him, some more screen time from Fennec. Cardoon, I could obviously, uh, you know, if less of her the better, but pretty, pretty, pretty solid as far as uh, all, with all things considered. And uh, I'm looking forward to the last episode of the season. I assume it'll it better have the best action of the whole 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 season. Uh, maybe we'll see more about the Mandalorian Civil War. Maybe we'll see more of the New Republic. I think it's safe to say we might get hints of both of those. We may see. We may see Mace Windu. That would be really cool. But, uh, you know, as as we head into the final uh, final episode of the season, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. I know uh, this format is kind of more of an untested one in terms of what we've done as a show. Uh, it can be a lot to ask people, hey, just listen to a stream of consciousness uh, review, solo review by, uh, by yours truly. But uh, for everybody, I hope you've enjoyed these. I've enjoyed doing them. It, it's a fun thing to do on Saturday mornings. And uh, I, I've had a lot of fun. It's This this season is really... Uh, I, I, I'm committed to doing a rewatch of Rebels and uh, The Clone Wars. I've had a lot of fun. The Star Wars universe has such great supplemental material. Even honestly, I've been reading some of the Old Republic from uh, the comics from that are now classified under the Legends canon. I think they would have been originally published by Dark Horse. They are... Uh, it's pretty good stuff. And... With you know, there's with all the with all the new Star Wars stuff coming your way. Uh, if if you're if you, if when this season ends, you really want to find yourself uh, digging deeper into the Star Wars lore. There are so many great jumping off points. There's so much of this universe to uh, dive into, and I highly encourage that. And uh, I wanted to say to everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>